If you have your Bibles, uh, let's go ahead and open them up to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, make your way to about the second third, or the third third of the Bible. Uh, you'll find the Gospels, and then you'll go hang a right, and you'll end up in Acts. Um, I hope and prayed uh, that you had a good Christmas. I, I really do. Uh, not just the time uh, with your family, but that uh, as we were preparing our hearts uh, over the month of December, that that you would have had an experience, a worship-filled experience as you consider the fact that God broke through our story, that He sent His Son to be our hero king, uh, and that that would um, resonate in your hearts for worship. And then I also hope that you got all the uh, underwear and socks that you so desperately needed, uh, and you are filled up for the rest of the year. Um, but we, we were fortunate. Uh, we weren't here uh, last week. Uh, Chris tried to get me fired, um, and so there was an investigation. Uh, I'm just joking. He didn't do that. Uh, we, we were fortunate to, to go with the family uh, into New Mexico and spend some, some time there uh, just skiing and falling and eating and sleeping and all that good stuff. And, uh, and I, I, loved, I loved that time. I loved getting to spend time uh, with my family. I didn't love as much coming home um, because 10 hours in the car with some of the people that I have to live with um, can be, what, is, what does Misty say? You were always difficult, Brandon. Um, and, and so, but, but I, I loved um, not just the trip, but, but I, I loved some of the things that God was sharing with me while we were uh, out there. I think, I think getting away can be helpful because it, it interrupts the routines of life. Uh, and it offers just a change of perspective. And through it, uh, God was gracious to me as I was thinking through uh, our current seasons, not only in my life, but the season that, that we are in here at Merge and as we think through and pray through the seasons to come. Next week will be uh, actually one year since we've relocated to Azel. Uh, that's a, that's a, that was a big step for us that was years in the making that we were unaware of. And, and through it... Uh, I think there there are a lot of things that we should be willing to celebrate, and I think there are uh, still a lot of areas that we need to grow in. And I think that's uh, a fair assessment. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, "Hey, yeah, we we need to grow in these certain areas of our lives," because to think that we don't have any room for growth is to be very um, negligent and very blinded to um, the fact that we are all growing in different ways. And and so uh, the the latter part are the areas that God's been, been speaking to my heart about. And I think it's fitting uh, because this time of year, this, these weeks offer us time for introspection and challenges us towards, towards change. In fact, uh, many of you, I'm assuming, uh, have begun your list of resolutions, right? Anybody have any? No? Anybody have any you want to share? No? All right. Um, want to start wearing a T-shirt to work. You know, that's a good resolution to have. Um, if you're anything like me, it involves um, perhaps eating a little bit less than um, what these last couple weeks have brought in front of you, as if it's your fault, right? I mean, you bring fudge and cookies and hot chocolate to the table. Uh, it would be rude not to eat them until you almost throw up, right? Uh, and and that, that, that many of us uh, will be making resolutions in regards to our attitudes and our outlooks and things that we want to see happen and things we... We hope to avoid uh, in 2019. Some of you will be 
sad to see 2018 go, and some of you can't wait for it to be gone. Uh, and, and I think uh, some resolutions we'll put into place, uh, and really we just, we just put them in place because we feel like we have to put them down, right? And we really, if we're honest with ourselves, we have zero intention of, of keeping them. And others will last a few months or a few weeks. Some of you will make it about two hours after you wake up on January 1, and then you're like, well, I broke that one already, uh, as if, you know, you're not allowed to change your life other than one day a year. And, but I think, I think this time can be beneficial to us because in the searching, we learn a lot about ourselves. And asking, okay, where do we need to improve? What do we need to stop doing? We learn a lot about ourselves. And so, so what happened is I, I started asking God some questions uh, a few weeks ago regarding uh, things that I was feeling about myself and about our community. And, and through those prayers, I, I felt He's given me just some insight that's taken a few weeks to put meat to the bones. Uh, and I think that's fine. I think that's uh, if much of the way that God works with me is He marinates me. Uh, he's like, hey, we're going to let that kind of work itself through uh, because if I told you all of it right now, you, you wouldn't get it. And, and so... Uh, this this has been hasn't been easy, but it also hasn't made me miserable uh, because as I've been being pruned and being cut away and being challenged, uh, God is saying, "Hey, this is this is for your health. This is for your betterment." And and His words have been um, more of like an like an early warning light in your car that when that light shows up, you're like, "Oh, I should probably get that checked out in the event that it is something that I need to." Deal with. Some of you have been driving in your same old car for years and years and years, and that check engine light came on, and you never, you, you're like, it will never fail me. There will never be nothing wrong with this car. Um, but for others like me, it's like, oh, well, I know nothing about fixing my car if I'm on the road, um, and I will just have to walk back from Fort Worth. And so, um, so, so where I've been is, is God's like, hey, I'm going to bring this light up, and I want you to go get checked out. I want you to spend some time. And what I, what I felt God was saying to me uh, in regards to merge, and, and me included, is that 2018 has most definitely been a year of transition for us. Uh, we've ended up in two different campuses this year, right? Uh, it's not saying much. We only moved like a quarter mile down the road. Uh, but, but it's been very much a year of transition. We've, we've had the opportunity to serve a new community. We've got to uh, experience and meet a lot of people that have now called merge home and uh, and and the and though we've been in this year of transition what i feel god is saying is that that if we're not careful we can slide right into a comfort where we look a lot like a, a healthy church uh, but are actually settling for much less than what god wants us to be and what he's called us to do um, because when you get to a spot like this it's really easy to put your feet up and say ah this is nice and so so, I think what I'm worried about is that, that we would gather and we would create an image of a church that's not the same as what God wants from us. And, and so, so that, that we wouldn't expect it when, when we come together, that we wouldn't expect to, to see His power and His provision, and we wouldn't expect much from us in regards to how we live out the gospel, and, and then uh, and that, that we would spend more time really playing church than being church. And that's not to say that there's anything you're doing wrong or that I'm doing wrong. It's just something that God's saying, hey, you need to be aware of this because we all drive ourselves towards comfort, right? Uh, you get home, the first thing you want to go do is 
the first thing you want to do, not that you always get to do, is you want to go sit down on the couch. You want to kick your feet up. We are all driven towards comfort, and God says the same thing happens here, that we are all driven towards some sort of comfort. And, uh, and so I think the major part of this revelation came a couple weeks ago as I was drawn to Acts chapter 4. Uh, because in it we see some incredible things happening. We get to see uh, the, uh, the church do some incredible things, and it was like the Holy Spirit was just shouting, hey, this, this scene that you're about to encounter, you, this is it. This right here is so very important for you to pay attention to, that, that looking at the reaction of the church and asking, uh, would, would we react the same way here at Merge? Uh, and then... Even more, a diff, an even more difficult question popped up as reading it um, is that why aren't some of these things happening here at Merge? And, and so since this is a time of planning and resolutions, I, I thought I would share with you some determinations that I'm carrying um, not only for myself, but hopefully leading us into as we approach uh, 2018 that, that we would see a check engine light come on and we would make some necessary adjustments as we look at this scene that's unfolding in Acts chapter 4, and we would understand simply this, that the same Holy Spirit that's at work in Acts chapter 4 is the same Holy Spirit that God has sent us here today. Okay? That He has lost zero of His power. Uh, he has lost zero of His desire. He has lost zero of His capability to work mightily through God's people. Okay? So, so when we read this scene, we need to ask, okay, where's the disconnect in my life? Okay? So this is, this is where we go. Let's, let's pray and then... Uh, we'll make our way through, uh, I think, the whole chapter. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll never know. All right, let's pray. Father, we come to you and we just thank you for your word this morning and the privilege of, of being able to open your word so freely. And I pray that we would be able to chew on it and we would be challenged by it, but not in our own strength, but through the, the strength of your Holy Spirit, that he would speak to us today as we wrap up a year and as we look ahead to another one, that, that He would make us, that He would give us a larger desire for change, not for change's sake, but for the glory of Your name. We thank You. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. All right, Acts, it's, it's a book telling us a lot about the early church. Uh, in fact, uh, the opening chapters, we see the type of community that God is creating as He draws Himself, He draws us and, to Himself and to community. And so, so as we approach chapter four, here's what you need to realize: the momentum of chapter three was simply this: Peter and John are going to the temple, and there was a man being carried who was a lame beggar. Okay, so Peter, through the power of the name of Jesus, tells this man to rise. Okay, he is miraculously healed. He stands to his feet. He is leaping. He is praising God. Uh, and, and it's in this moment that Peter does something that's beautiful. He takes the model of Christ, right? This is what we see in the Bible. Anytime you see Jesus perform a miracle, there's also this follow-up about the gospel, about why Jesus has done certain things. And so, so Peter helps this man come back to his, well, come back to life in a way. And he uses that moment to preach the gospel. And, and there were some incredible moments. And this is the scene that chapter 4 is going to open with. Okay? So here we go. And as they were speaking to the people, this is Peter in particular, John is with them. As they were speaking to the people, 
the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. So the church folk showed up. Okay? Now, if we've been paying attention to the Gospels, anytime the church people show up, it typically is in uh, debate or in trouble for these guys. So, so uh, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed uh, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them. They put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Pay attention to this. But many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of the men came out to about 5,000. Just 5,000. And this, this, is what, this is what I love about, about Peter. Um, because as God uses him as this early leader in the first century church. His, his primary responsibility was to, to preach the gospel to the Jewish people. Um, God sends Paul to speak the gospel to primarily the Gentile people. Uh, but as you read the gospels, gosh, I can find myself in Peter so very easily uh, because he was so well-intentioned but so capable of putting his foot in his mouth. Okay? This, that's the story of this guy's life right there. So well-intentioned but such an idiot. Right? In fact, there's this one moment where Peter, believing uh, that he was going to defend Jesus, like pulls a sword out and goes to kill a guy and the best he did was cut off his ear. Right? I mean, that has to be a really sad moment of like, yeah, I'm going to kill you! And he goes like, ah, you cut my ear off, bro. What's that all about? Well-intentioned, but just can't get it together. But then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit enters Peter's life and he becomes a hero of faith. He becomes someone that God uses in incredible ways. And this is what I love about that because, because all of us are Peters. All of us are. All of us are people that, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, are very incapable of doing much of anything. But yet God will use you for the purpose of His glory in ways that you, could, you can't even imagine it. And I think He serves as His hope that anyone can be used for the glory of God. And so, so as Peter and John are arrested, we need to pay attention to verse 4. It says, Many who, who heard what Peter was saying believed him. Just about 5,000 of them. So as I think through our resolutions this year, as I think through, okay, what, what does Merge want to make important? The first resolution is simply this, that we would resolve to speak the love of God expressed through Jesus. That we would make that the passionate pursuit of this place. That we would speak the love of God expressed through Jesus. Because Jesus isn't your Lord and Savior so that you can be saved and silent with your life. He's not. In fact, He takes you from darkness to light so that you can serve as a beacon of hope to those who are still trapped in that darkness. And this is, this is one of the few instructions you get from Jesus in between the time of the cross and His ascension uh, that, that He comes in and He says, your mission as the church is to make disciples. It's to go and make disciples. And if no one, here's what you need to know, and this is a hard word for me to hear, that if no one has come into Christ through your testimony, through your words and your actions, then you're not walking in the command of the Great Commission. You're not. I know that sounds harsh. Like, man, I thought we were just going to wrap up New Year and be like, yay, everybody! You may be a good guy. This is, this is what God was speaking in my heart. 
You may be a good guy. You may be a friendly guy. People might like being around you. But if they aren't seeing their need for me, then it's nothing. What are you, what are you doing with your life? 5,000 people came to Christ from that one moment that we're experiencing here. 5,000. And what does it say about what we're doing here when we don't even celebrate 50 this year? Those are big eyes. Misty's like, yeah. Let's go. Verse 5. On the next day, their rulers and the elders and the scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with, with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and, and Alexander, you know, those guys, and all who were the high priestly family. And, and when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, okay, so they're asking Peter and John, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, now if you'd like to underline your Bible, I'm going to give you some permission. Underline these next couple words. Filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if, you are, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified whom God raised from the dead, by Him this man is standing before you well. Before you well. And I think verse 8 is this springboard of Peter's response. Jesus, Jesus promises back in uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to come in, in dynamos. Uh, that's the word. He's going to, come, going to show up in power. And he's going to remind you of these things that I have taught you. In fact, Jesus will say in John chapter 15, uh, as he's talking with his disciples, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come because he's going to dwell. He's going to, he's going to wash over you all like a fire. And he's going to set on blaze the gospel mission. And so, so eight is a springboard that, that Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. And go figure, he didn't lie. <laughs> So, so as we approach 2019, we resolve to be more aware of the Holy Spirit's leadings. That we would be more aware of the Holy Spirit. Apart from the Holy Spirit, our words are empty and our actions are very weak. Very weak. And I wonder if, if too often we think of the Holy Spirit's voice as a warning of things not to do and we ignore another part of His relationship with us. That, that the Holy Spirit, He leads us into adventure. He, he empowers us into adventure. He points our lives to Jesus. That, that no great movement of God will ever happen apart from the Holy Spirit. No great movement will. Like, revival cannot fall in this place apart from the Holy Spirit. Revival can't fall in our city apart from the Holy Spirit. And so, so my prayer is that you and I would be more aware to the frequency of the Holy Spirit's voice this year, and we would be less satisfied with His warnings uh, when, when really we know... of. You ever have the Holy Spirit tell you not to do something that you already knew you weren't supposed to be doing? What a waste of time that is. <laughs> right? Like, the Holy Spirit's like, why do I have to keep coming back? You know you're not supposed to be doing this. And yet, but we would be more in tune with His frequency when He says, hey, go get that. Go after that. Go pursue that. Go live in a way that glorifies me. Go do that. Verse 11 Peter's continuing, this Jesus is the stone 
that was rejected by you, the builders which have become the cornerstone. He says, he says, listen guys, you're supposed to be building the church of God and yet you rejected the most important part of it. You rejected the cornerstone, the piece that holds all of the building together. And there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And look at Peter. He's given this opportunity to give a defense for the power that he's operating in. And he takes this opportunity to lay down some gospel truth. Some of us have prayed for God to give us an opportunity and he does that. And then yet we chose not to do the one thing that we were asking him to let us do. So how about in 2019 we resolve to understand the importance of the gospel and how to proclaim it. And for some of you, you already know that, and the step is just open your mouth. That's, that's right here. It's just to open your mouth and proclaim it. That in order to proclaim the good news of Jesus, you first need to know the good news of Jesus and understand what Jesus has done in rescuing you. And this is, this is the pursuit of the Word, uh, that you would put God's love on display in Christ. And it's my belief, it's my belief, the more prevalent the Holy Spirit is in our lives, the more willing we are to proclaim the gospel because we realize just how far from, from slavery to freedom we've been brought. And what I love about our role is that we just simply proclaim. And then we let the Holy Spirit do the rest of the work. That's, that's all we are responsible to being. We are a witnesses of what the gospel of Christ. So we get to tell our story from our perspective and then we get to let the Holy Spirit do the rest of it. Verse uh, 13. Now when they saw the boldness... Oh man, this is... Okay, um, early warning. This is my favorite line in the whole chapter. It's my favorite line. Now, not this one, but the end of it. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, okay, check this out, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They recognized, they looked at him and they're like, these guys are idiots. They shouldn't be able to do any of this. And then they recognized it must have been Jesus. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. So what if, what if uh, this is a novel idea for Christians, Okay? What if we resolved in 2019 to live in a way that people would recognize that we have spent time with Jesus? That's all. It just landed hard, right? I felt, I felt like it landed hard. That the priests, they, they don't really know what to do with, with Peter and John. They, they looked normal, but something was powerfully different about them. And what a great compliment. What a great compliment. And I think this may be the issue we face uh, in, in the church culture here in our society that we spend so much time trying to blend in, trying to, trying to be relevant in a way that looks a lot like the rest of the world when that's not the design of the church. Now, now granted, I think we go, there's an extreme you can go in and it not be attractive at all, but what we find in the Bible is that when the gospel is living purely among its people, it's always attractive. It is always, always, always attractive. That, that we're, we're not to be recognized as like ninja Christians, right? Where you pop up in a moment like, oh, I'm a Christian. And they're like, what? You? What? 
That, what was that voice? That was weird. That came out strange. I didn't like the way it felt. That, that it shouldn't, shouldn't surprise people, right? You shouldn't sprinkle in Christianity when it's convenient or, or when it just fits a, a moment just right. It's, it doesn't work that way. And so what if, what if we lived in a way this year? Let's just, let's just give it a year, see what happens. That when people look at you, they recognize that you have spent time with Jesus. I think there's a lot more we can say about that, about how we try to blend and how we don't. And I think there's some questions that we need to ask about what we're trying to build our lives on, what patterns are we trying to live in, but we, we don't have the time for that. Let's, let's go, verse 14. Um, let me figure out what time it is. All right, here we go. We're going to pick up some speed. But seeing the man, okay, so, so they're looking at Peter and John, and they're like, I, I don't know what to do with these guys. I, I can't bring an argument against them. Uh, but seeing the man who was healed... Standing beside them, okay, they had nothing to say in opposition. And I think it's, it's hard to argue when a miracle showing the power of God is standing in front of you. It's hard, it's hard to fight that. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For, for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it, but in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more uh, to anyone in this name. And so they called them and they charged them to not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Verse 19, this is beautiful. But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because the people, uh, because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. So I, I think what the Bible is saying, if you're over 40, it's a, it's, it's a mystery you woke up this morning. All right? Like, oh, man. Over 40, just, it's all over. Every morning you wake up, it's a gift from God. And, and I love this, because there's so very little that the priest can do to stand in the way of what God is doing. They can't. That Their best move, literally here, is a stern warning. Right? That's, that's what they brought to the table. They arrested them, they put them in prison for a night, and they're like, well, we can't. What are you going to do with them? You're like, don't do that again. That, like, that's literally what they've asked you. Hey, please stop talking about Jesus. What was that voice? That was a weird one too. Gosh, I'm, I'm gone for a week. I don't know what happens. So, what I love, I love what Peter says. He says, "Listen, man. For me not to speak, for for you thinking I shouldn't speak about Jesus." That's between you and God. He goes, but I know something about me. He goes, I can't but speak about it. I can't. It would be, I would, I would do damage to my own self not to proclaim the goodness of God. Like, I can't, I can't but share what has happened here. Okay? I, he, he chose me. 
He chose to let me honor Him with my life. He chose that. I get to do that. I can't but speak of that. And, and here's what I hope, that in 2019, when, and we talk about this a lot here, but in 2019 that we would resolve that our love for God would be more than our love for our comfort. That our love for God would be more than our love for comfort. Because you can, you can sense the passion in his response. He says, he says, essentially, even if he wanted to, he couldn't. He couldn't stop speaking about it. And I, I, I don't think we, we think deeply enough about our own salvations, and it's evident in our lack of, of telling the miracle of how we came back to life. When was the last time you shared that part? If you are in Christ, when was the last time you shared that part? That's a miracle when you went from death to life. So Peter and John are standing in front of some of the same people who were instrumental and feel responsible for sending Jesus to the cross. All right? We haven't separated years. We've separated maybe a month, maybe two at most in this moment. Okay? So the same people that were shouting at Pontius Pilate to, to crucify him are the same people that Peter and John are standing. And they don't have the gift of hindsight. Right? They don't get Acts chapter 5 and 6 and 7 and 8. They're living in this in real time. And so when they stand in front of these guys, they don't know what's about to happen because they killed their boss. They killed their king. Peter's like, I would betray, my, I would betray him if I didn't but speak about him. Verse 23. Okay, so, so here's what we've seen. Okay, all the way leading up to 21 through 22, we get to see the response of Peter and John. They're together. Peter's doing the speaking. Okay, those are resolutions for ourselves that we would pursue those things. Starting in 23, we get to see something about community. We get to see something about a healthy church. We get to see something about the power of God moving amongst His people. And he says this, when they were released, okay, they went and told their friends, and they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, okay, the church, when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and they said, Sovereign Lord, okay, this is all about you. You are in control. Who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, by the Holy, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate. I think it's funny, anytime people do this in the Bible, as if God was not aware of it, right? It's like, yeah, I ordained all of this moment. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate and along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to place. And, and this is the response of the church. Okay? This is what I want you to pay attention to. Um, they go straight to God in prayer. What a great resolution, right? A great and a simple one that as Merge approaches 2019, we resolve to be deeply committed to prayer. Because here's what we see. We, we see in these verses that prayer is not the last resort when the church needs direction. Rather, it's the first step. It is. It's the very first step. They hear from Peter and John about the desire of the priest for them to stop proclaiming, and they go straight to God together. And we need to 
what's helpful in that when we go to God together is that we know each other, right? Not in casual ways, but, but personally where we can see the power of God put on display and the miracles that we regularly expect, right? That, that we would see that happen together through our prayers. So, so here's where I've been challenged lately while I pray is, is that I, I'm constantly asking myself as I'm praying, is, is, am I praying for things that A, will move the heart of God and, and B, will require God to do something incredible in our midst? Because here's, here's what I'm convinced. Now, this might be you, might not be. This is most definitely me. That a lot of my prayers are the equivalent of me laying on my couch yelling for my kids to come hand me the remote because I didn't want to get off of the couch. Right? Anybody guilty of that? Like, hey, the remote, it's way over there. I'm really comfortable here. Right? Could that be your prayer life? Hey, God, I got my feet up already. Do, do you mind helping me out here? So what if the prayers that we prayed weren't those prayers, but they were big boy prayers? They ask God to move in mighty ways. They ask us to see miraculous things. When do we stop thinking about miracles happening around us? And I think it's that moment that we stop asking God to do things that only He can do. And so pay attention because we're about to get a big lesson here in big boy praying. All right? So in light of the threat to keep silent, the church, this community, is going to start to pray for something. Okay? Check it out. Check it out. It's beautiful. Verse 29, and now, Lord, okay, look upon their threats and grant your, to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. What an incredible prayer that, that you would continue, that you would grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand, while you do what you can do, let us do what you've equipped us to do. Let us be bold for the gospel. Let us be bold for that. What if, what if that? What if that was our resolution? That we would be a people that encourage each other on towards boldness. Toward boldness. Here's, here's something the early church seems to understand that I wonder if we do. That, that to partner with the incredible things that God is doing in this world will require a level of boldness that a casual Christian will not experience. We won't. Especially a comfortable Christian. That, that I've sat through so many prayer circles. I've been, I've been saved for 24 years now. And I've sat through so many prayer circles where we've asked God to remove obstacles rather than the power to go through them. I'm, I'm guilty, okay, and this is just this is my therapy session right here. I'm guilty of experiencing scenes in my life and, and I pray that God would make the priests go away or to eliminate the threat when the church in Acts 4, they're asking for the power to stand firm. They're asking for, for more boldness. They aren't picking the fight, but they aren't running away from it either. Okay? It's important for us to understand the difference between those two things. If we aren't encouraging each other to be more bold in the gospel, then I fear, I honestly fear, that we are enabling an unhealthy version of the church. 
Let's, let's start wrapping this up. Let's start wrapping this up. We're not going to make it all the way through. We're going to make it to these next, this next verse right here. It, it would be, it'd be disservice if we didn't get here. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, okay? And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, imagine that thought. They asked God to give them boldness, and He did it! Crazy! These next couple words are going to be hard for me to say. They will be hard for you to hear. When was the last time you were in a gathering of Christians and the place shook? I think that's maybe our last resolution, that we would resolve this year, that we would experience the power and the presence of God. That we would experience that. Not so that we can say we've experienced it to gloat over people saying, hey, we got more of God than you've got more of God. No, that we would experience more of God so that we can say He is good. He cares deeply for us. He loves us. What, what does it say about us? What does it say about what we're doing on Sundays when, when we can leave here relatively unchanged and our hearts not stirred by the greatness of God as we see Jesus and engage with the Holy Spirit. What does it say? Just ask yourself this question. Gosh, these are hard questions. Did I come here this morning eager to meet with God? Did I? Did, did I come this morning excited about gathering with the saints as we make much of Jesus. Do do I hope to see something miraculous happen this morning? What about tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday or, or the rest of the week? Because I believe when, when we don't expect to see God move, then our eyes will stay closed to when He is. I, I, I get I get routines make this difficult because this is what a lot of us do on Sunday mornings, right? We wake up at a certain time, we get moving. Some of you have breakfast. Some of you get in the car and you drive here and you try to make sure you don't get in a fight like within two miles before you get here. I get, I get that routine. Corbett, can you take that down just a little bit? Thank you. Hey, this is not your moment. He's like, I'm going to play louder. You good? <laughs> Cindy's like one moment away from a snort. And so But you get here and you're like, okay, this is this is our routine. Your kids, you drop them off, they sprint in here to get some donuts, right? Because it's not a good morning here at Merge unless somebody's got donuts. But did you come here today hoping to meet with your heavenly father? Did you come here today hoping that you would have the privilege to make much of who Christ is and how you are not the Savior of your world? Did you, did you come here today hoping that the Holy Spirit would speak to you 
and challenge you and provoke you and spur you on in love and good deeds. And if you didn't, then why are you here? Why are we here if that's not our singular focus? This is one of the things I love about Christ. He has no desire for a popularity contest. He doesn't do it right. Because there's times that he will say things and that people are like, that's too hard, I'm leaving. And he's like, well, see you later. We sang some words earlier this morning. And it's weird, I've been asking Chris to do this song for forever. And then finally he's like, I'll throw him a bone for Christmas. But, but we sang some words, and I watched while we were singing, and you opened your mouth, so I'm assuming the words that were coming out of your mouth were the words that were on the, on the screen. And I wonder sometimes, my prayer is that, that we would believe these words and we weren't just being polite to the band and singing along with them. When you move, this is, this is our heart to our Father. When you move, darkness runs for cover. When you move, no one is turned away. Because where you are, fear turns into praises. And where you are, no, le- no heart is left unchanged. No heart. When you move, the outcast finds a family. What a great story for us, right? When you move, the orphan finds a home. Lord, here we are. Teach us to love mercy. And here's what we know about mercy. It's messy. And it's hard. And it takes you into some scary places. With humbled hearts, we bow down at Your throne. And I am guilty of this, so I'm just assuming you are too, that we approach those words so incredibly casually that we don't understand the weight of it. That with humbled hearts, I get to bow down before my Father and I get to tell Him how incredible He is. And so here's the thing. As we approach a new year together, I'm wondering if we're willing to engage in these types of moments. I just wonder. Again, there's nothing in me that's like, oh my gosh, we're doing this so wrong. But, but I do feel a check engine light. Because I feel it in my spirit. The guy is saying, hey, there's so much more I'm going to do through you guys. Just get out of the way. Just get out of the way. I love you guys. I do. Thanks for letting me yell at you for a while. Our desire this week is to love God. Bye. Please stand with me. So we wrap up, we want to make some prayer available to you. If you need prayer today, we long to walk with you. We'll have some people over in this way as we dismiss. I'd encourage you over these next I guess 24 hours, right? Just come this point. Well, I guess tomorrow it'll still be New Year's Eve. Is you spend some time asking yourself about what, what do you resolve to do and to be in this next year? And figure out how you 
take steps to do that. Father, we thank you today that you love us, that you care for us deeply. We pray that you would continue to grant us boldness and a willingness to glorify your Son. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.